Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. Hi, this is Pastor Ricky Temple. Listen, if you're having a tough day, you have tuned in to the right program. May God bless you as you sit back, open your Bible as we take you right now live into our study. Today we jump into this and we answer a question. And the question is really simple. Why are you here? That is the age old question that people have been asking for years. Why was I created? I want to give you two answers to that question today. And I also want to juxtapose that against this idea that, well, let me say it another way. I want to show you why you were not made, why you're here and why you're not here. This is a discussion that Jesus is having with 12 disciples sitting on the hill. And in this discussion, his goal is to get them to think through their purpose. But there are issues. Whenever you deal with people, you have to start with their view. Their view affects their approach. If they view things a certain way, you will never change them. Until their view changes, they don't change. As long as you believe certain things, you will do certain things. It's not until you change your view. And so the question is, how do you see things? Every now and then you have to stop and rethink everything. Everything you think, everything you believe. And you have to reconsider. Maybe your way of thinking hasn't worked out for you. Look at the results your thinking has brought to your life. It's easy to blame somebody else. Oh, my daddy did it, my mama did it, you know, friend did it, community did it. White folks did it, black folks did it, Asian people did it, foreign people did it. It's foreign aid, that's what did it. It's always somebody else. But could there not be a possibility that some of the dynamics of your life are tied to your thinking, tied to the way you process relationships, the way you communicate, the way you think you have the right to communicate, the tone you communicate in. And sometimes you just have to pause, and that's what we're doing this month, rethinking everything. Pull over on the side of the road, reconsider. Maybe this hasn't worked out for you. And if it hasn't worked out for you, what can you do to restart your life? There is a way to cut off the engine and cut on a new one. That could possibly happen for you, but you have to be willing to do that. And so Jesus, in these three chapters, sets out to help them rethink things. And one of the most profound things he says, what we're going to talk about today. I want you to look back, if you would, please, at the beginning of your notes, Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 13. And I want you to listen to how he says it. It's so incredible. Let me tell you why you're here. Matthew 5, 13. Let me tell you why you're here. That grabbed my attention. When somebody sits you down and looks at you and says, let me tell you why you're here. I mean, that, that, that means we're about to hear something life-changing. And he basically says, you are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. That's why you're here. Your basic purpose is twofold. You're designed to salt the earth and give it flavor. You're all about flavor. That's why you're here. You're also here to be light. And this light, he calls it in the text we're going to read in a minute, colors, which really has to do with clarity. He's going to, you're here 
to bring salt and light. Say it with me, please. Come on. Salt and light. Go back to the verse. Let me read it for you, and you'll see what I mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God, what? Colors, plural, in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as city, as a city on a hill. Now, you've heard this another way in the New King James all of your life. Here's how you've heard it for years. You are the salt of the earth, right? Verse 14, you are the light of the world. You've heard it that way. Those are the terms you've used. But I love the way this version uses two key words that stands out to me. Everybody say flavors, flavors. and colors. Every individual has a different flavor. When God comes into your life, you don't, you don't necessarily taste like everybody else that's a Christian or a believer. Life's experiences season you. They, they bring something out of you that's totally different. Your color is not the same as everybody else's color. All black people are not the same color. All white people, all Asian people. All people are not the same color. They're colors. I love the way you use the plural. Colors. All of you, when God touches your life, there's something that happens in you. And you become a unique person. Now, these two verses, the salt and light verses I just read, really tend to talk about, in most people's mind, be an example. That's how people interpret it. The bottom line is, you be good, people will see you, and then, boy, that's, that's the big thing. And I get that. That's exactly what it means to some degree. But understand, you will never be an example like every other example. You will never be able to be exactly like Ricky Temple, no matter what you say, no matter what you do. I can never be exactly like you. I'm a unique flavor. You're a unique flavor. I'm a unique color, and you're a unique color. And if, if God works in me, there's going to be something different. And I, I need to, first of all, find comfort in that. I don't need to be paranoid and frustrated because I can't duplicate exactly what a person is. Whenever I mentor a leader, one of the things that they'll say at some point in the process with me is I can't be exactly like you. I say, great, now you got it. You can't. You can't teach exactly like me. You can't think about the text the exact way I do because all of my experiences have made me a certain way. There's a certain flavor that I have. There's a certain approach. There's a reason why I teach like this. There's a reason why I think the way I think. And I, I, I don't think that's bad or wrong. I think it's just unique to me. But that's, that's good to know. You are unique to you. And it might make you feel better to know that God doesn't want you to try to be like everybody else. He invites you to be a different color. He invites you to be a different shade. You are the shade, the colors of the world. You are a color to the world. You are a seasoning to the world. And the world needs that seasoning. There's something unique you bring that nobody else can bring. That's why God made it so clear to us in the way we're designed. Your finger, your finger, your fingerprints. Everything about you has something unique. You can read one story and you hear it a different way. That's what's great about the Gospels. You know, Matthew sees the same thing that Luke sees, the same thing that Mark sees, and comes with a different perspective. 
says the same story a different way, emphasizes something that the other one didn't, because to this person, for their seasoning, for their, for their color, it, this is what was important to me. Luke was a physician, so he saw all the medical stuff. Matthew was a numbers guy. He saw all the numbers stuff. Mark just said, let's get through the story, please. Shortest book, right to the point, like a movie. Forget all the other stuff. He went through the door. That's it. Let's just get to the point. There's something powerful about being clear that I can be me and be used of God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Problem is that sometimes in religious environments, we try to make everybody the same. And I can frustrate people. It can make people shy away. Some people are dressy people. Some people are not dressy people. Some people are suit and tie people. Some people are not suit and tie people. Some people are Mercedes Benz people. Some people are truck people. Some people are bike people. And God can take your seasoning, your uniqueness, and use it and bless people around you. The key thing is for you to embrace that. It's, it's really important for you to see what Jesus was telling these 12 guys on the hill. Here's why you're here. You're here to be salt. Your flavor with God's poor grace and presence poured in your life. When you pour God into your life, when you pour God into your life, you're going to be a unique flavor, and that's why you're here. So that means, Ricky Temple, preach like you preach, teach like you teach, be who you are. You're the color you are, accept it. Now that you understand why you're here, let me tell you why you're not here. There are two things I want to emphasize and two things Jesus talked about in Matthew 5 that I thought were profound. And both of these are different topics, but they were important because in the psyche of the people that he was talking to, he knew that they were thinking a certain way. He knew they were stuck in a certain way of approaching life. And one of them was they were big on vengeance. And to get them to where they needed to be, he wanted them to understand this, is, this can't be a part of your life. Because what they were going to do going forward was very, very difficult. What they were going to do going forward was very, very hard. What they were going to do, people were going to offend them. And if people offended them, they would have to have to learn how to respond in a way that wasn't vengeful. Because if they were vengeful, which was the cultural norm, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, they would be locked out of opportunity. There are a lot of people they would never reach. And so I want you to watch with me as, as he gives this advice. And I wanted to read the New King James Version, Matthew 5, verse 38. Here's what he says. Matthew 5, 38. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Now, whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to the other, to him also. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. That's what, when you're reading the Bible and you read a verse like that, you say, let me read that again, let me read that again, let me read that again. <laughs> verse 40, if anyone takes, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, or your house, or your car, or your whatever, let him have your cloak. So you want to take my jacket, let him have it. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Wow. Now, there's a way I can summarize this in just simple terms. Wimp. If I be honest, I'm just being frank and honest, that just sounds wimpy to me. 
So that, and I, when I was in school, kids came up to me and told me this. I was in high school and I came to Christ. They told me, said, hey, you know, I read in the Bible that if I slap you, Ricky, that you'll turn the other cheek. I told them I'm not that strong yet. <laughs> I'm growing. I'm still working on it. <laughs> if you slap me, I'm going to roundhouse kick you. I promise you. If you slap me, I promise you. I'm going to give you one of them big roundhouse kicks you don't. What in the world did you say to me? I know you're not serious. Am I really going to accept that? I don't think so. It was amazing. I, I, just, I just could not imagine that I, I didn't know what it meant. You, you know, you read this kind of verse and you go, I don't know what it means, but it can't mean that. <laughs> Somebody said, please explain, Pastor, please explain. Here's, here's what I believe he, he's saying to you. And I, I want to make sure you understand. You're not here to exact, to, to exact vengeance. That's not your main assignment. That's the main message. Let me give it to you in the message Bible, and we'll tackle it a little bit more here. Here's another old saying that deserves a, a second look. This is Jesus comparing. You've heard it said, but I say. Eye for an eye. You with me? Tooth for a tooth. Is that going to get us anywhere? Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you in the court and sues for the shirt off your back, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use this occasion to practice the servant life. No more. This is, this is the big point, verse 42 in the Message Bible. No more tit-for-tat stuff. That's where they were stuck. This wasn't a call to be wimpy. This wasn't a call to be passive. This was a call to say, you guys have taken this too far. You live for vengeance. You are consumed with getting people. You are the person who goes on the job, and your job is to let everybody know what they don't know. Your job is to put them in their place. That's your job. Vengeance is yours, says you. You will repay, and they know the deal. But you're not here for vengeance. You're not here for an eye for an eye. You're not here to allow that to become your culture. You're not here. That's not the flavor. That's not the color. And it was ingrained in them. It was going to hinder any ministry they would ever do. They would never get beyond this point. They would never, ever get beyond this moment. Never. I, I had to be careful as a parent that I wasn't vengeful. You have to be careful that you don't use your money in a vengeful fashion. You have to be careful that you're not punishing people. That you're not invoking some authoritarian, authoritarian power. And that's what Jesus wanted to uproot other disciples in the beginning. Hey, guys, rethink this. Rethink this whole approach, this whole eye for an eye thing. I'm not saying be passive. And I want to show you a verse. Go back. Sorry, I know you flip your notes over, but go back to the front page. Let me show you Ephesians 5.10. I'm not going to read it. Ephesians 5.10 through 17. This is that great verse where it says, Finally, my brother, and be strong in the Lord, and the power of the might is might. Take on the whole armor of God. It's, it, it, really, it really challenges you to be a person who, who fights. I believe, I believe in fighting. I mean, I don't, I don't want to fight, but um, 
I, I believe that you have a right to defend yourself. I believe that you have a right to um, come to church and be safe. That's why I have security, because I believe you should come in here and it should be safe. Say amen. amen. Nobody should bother your car. Nobody should bother your stuff. Nobody should bother you. And, and, and prayerfully, nobody will bother me either. Amen. Praise the Lord. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just believe in that. Maybe you don't. But I just believe there's something important about being able to say this is this is this is this is God's way for me to live free, victorious and without bondage. Now, a lot of people don't live this way. And I believe that God doesn't want us to live this way. God wants us to be free. And so God's not afraid of conflict. God's not afraid of strife. He's not afraid of us being um, focused and clear. I want to read a little bit to you for just a second. Uh, Ephesians chapter five. Did I say chapter five? It's chapter six. I know that. I see that. Isn't that amazing? Don't you see things in life? I'm sitting there saying that's not right. But circle it and fix it. Ephesians chapter six. Ready? Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Look at that. We do not wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood. So there is in God's mind and Paul's mind a clear call to times with wrestling, struggle. So it's not Jesus never really called us to become wimpy people who are passive. You know, we're kingdom people. And so there's a king, there's a kingdom, there's kingdom authority. But the balance for the disciples was they weren't thinking kingdom authority. They were thinking they were they were on on a whole nother track that would easily become vengeful. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And he said, that's not going to advance the kingdom. So I'm not here for vengeance. And secondly, and finally, I'm not here for this purpose. Write this down. I'm not here for treasure. One of the great uh, temptations in life is to be all about money or be none about money. And when you're not about money and you're not about treasure, you try to find somebody with treasure when you don't have any. So it's easy for you to become extreme in this. Now, notice these two things. One, he says, guys, it's not about vengeance. Two, guys, you're not here for the purpose of just, just finding treasure. Here's what Jesus said. This is important. This is in chapter, um, uh, back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be what? Also. That is the message. This is not in any way a, a prohibition against prosperity. This is not in any way saying you're not here just to, uh, you're, you're here, you're, it's not saying you're, you're not supposed to be financially focused and advancing yourself. It, it's important to say that because Christians go, people believe go one way or the other. It's like it's, it's all money, 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 or it's no money at all. It's entrepreneurship or no entrepreneurship. I believe you have to have a balance. Many of you, your biggest problem is you have not balanced this idea in your mind. He talked to the 12 guys on the hill and says, guys, I want you to have a balanced view of treasure. Now, why is that important? Because these are guys who are entrepreneurs. They are fishermen. These are guys who work for a living. Every day is about getting up early, strong guys going out, hustling through the water, and bringing some fish home, selling it. That's what we do for a living. 
That, the, the balance is you can't just live for that. You can't just live to make more money. You can't just live to retire. You cannot just live for that. If you do that, your heart gets tied there. And so there are three important things I want you to understand about treasure and three things that treasure reveals about you. Number one, it reveals the true state of your heart. Say that with me, please. Come on. The true state of your heart. Say it again. Come on. The true state of your heart. Your view of treasure will reveal the true state of your heart. Where is your heart? And you got to be careful that, as I said, it's not imbalanced. And I can't say this enough. I'm not trying to say you shouldn't be focused on financing your future and building your future. I think a church that's not focused on financing its future and building its future is being foolish. I think a church that's not focused on a family that's not focused on advancing your life, that's not wise. But the problem is when that's all you live for. And if you're not careful, it can reveal the true state of your heart. Secondly, it can, it can, it can have an impact on and, and show the possible place you will end up in life. You can end up in a place where your treasure is. And if that's your job, that's where you'll end up. You can end up with just a church as a pastor, just a business, as a business guy, no family. Listen to how he says this, and I put this in bold prints for you. The place where you, let me read the whole verse, verse 19. Don't hoard treasure down here, where it gets eaten by moth and, and, and uh, corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasures in heaven, where it is safe from moth and rust and burglars. It is obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. And so three important things your treasure reveals. Number one, the true state of your heart. And number two, the possible place you will end up in life. I've seen so many people end up with just an education. Because that's what they treasure. That's all they talk about. That's all they dream of. That's where they believe their power is. And so they're always talking about education, 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 education. Don't just end up with a job. I don't want to just end up with the church. I don't want to just end up with buildings and properties. I don't want that to be my treasure. These guys were fishermen. These guys, their treasure could just be their work. And he says, where we're going, you got to rethink this. You got to rethink how you view money, how you view advancing. He's not saying that it's wrong. It's just you can't allow that to be all you live for. And the third thing it reveals is the God you choose to worship. Now, I want you to listen to what he says. He said, your eyes, verse 22 of Matthew chapter 6, your eyes are your windows. I love this. Your eyes are, your, are windows into your body. If you open your, your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills with light. So if you open your eyes, you can see the light, and your, your whole body is filled with light. If you live squint-eyed like this, in greed and distrust, your body is a, a dark cellar. Dank cellar, it says, but it's a dark cellar. Imagine for a moment, you're, you're in this state where your, your whole life is about making more money. And he's trying to compare what happens to you. And he says this, if you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. If you just pull the blinds in your life and all you see is money, he says you have a dark life. That's pretty profound. 
He said, you can't worship two gods at once. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you will end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. In the New King James, it says, with God and mammon. This is, again, not a call against money. It's, a, it's simply a response to a very powerful trap. The trap is you can become so dominated by treasure that that's all you think about. And so he talks to the 12 guys on the hill and he says, guys, I know these are things you haven't thought about. Because in your culture, it's all about treasure. In your culture, it's all about kicking out the Romans to our striking vengeance. But for you to get to where I want you to be, for you to be blessed, you got to redefine everything in your life. Mourning, meekness, you got to redefine everything. And I want to say to you, for some of you, you've got to redefine a lot of things for God to bless you. Pull over on the side of the road. Start with this today. Why am I here? I'm here to be my unique flavor, my unique color. I'm here to be what God's made me to be. No more guilt for who I am. I embrace who I am. But I'm not here to get my daddy back. I'm not here to get my cousin back. I'm not here to get somebody back. I'm not here just to make money. Broaden your vision of who you are. Well, I pray you are blessed by today's sermon. I want you to know that God really has a plan for your life. Keep these thoughts in your mind and heart and go have a great day. God bless you. This is Pastor Ray. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message from Pastor Ricky Temple. Watch more encouraging messages from Pastor Rick at www.rickytemple.tv. If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.